The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue View. We're doing yet another positional evaluation show. Today, we are doing the offensive line. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Filato and Chris Flum. We are bringing you more off-season analysis as we've broken down multiple position groups. This is our last offensive position group before we switch on over to the defense. And also, we've been doing draft position group evaluations, previewing every single draft positional group that the Giants are going to be looking at players for. Folks, before we start this one, uh, this episode, please hit that subscribe button if you like listening to us. Leave us a five-star review if you really like listening. And then lastly, head on over to BigBlueView.com for more great New York Giants content. So guys, I think that the first thing that we definitely have to bring up and start this, this show off with is discussing Andrew Thomas because Early on in the year, it felt like a lot of people were super frustrated with Andrew Thomas. And I think at one point or another, we might have all said and talked about our frustrations with how he looked, especially considering there were other tackles in the same draft class, Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, who were playing without a hitch, we looked really good and were a big factor on their offensive lines. Meanwhile, Andrew Thomas was still trying to get his feet underneath him. However, as the season started to progress, I think the big talking point here for Andrew Thomas is that we started to see a guy that was a lot more comfortable. Now, he wasn't perfect towards the end of the season, but I think we have a much more clear indication of who Andrew Thomas is going to be as a professional. And honestly, the future looks pretty bright right now. Yeah, I would agree with that, Joe, to be honest. And I'm sure Chris would concur, but he'll say so here in a little bit. When it comes to Andrew Thomas, I thought that Pittsburgh game, we there was a sense of encouragement about him. And then after that, it kind of all started to go downhill up until that Thursday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then there was that extended kind of bye week, I guess you can call it, with the extended 10 days off after that Thursday game. And then he came out and he was solid. And then there was the Arizona game, gave up seven pressures in that game. But the offensive line was just out-schemed. The coaches were out-schemed. 
in that game. I don't really necessarily want to hold that against him. But down the stretch, the end of the season, outside that Arizona game, he seemed to fix a lot of the issues he was having, oversetting, protecting his inside shoulder, went out on an island, all those types of things. He fitted his hands much better as well. So I was really encouraged by his development at the end of the season. And, you know, you can go back and forth and compare. I'll look at what Tristan Wirfs did all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the Giants have Andrew Thomas, and he showed a lot of signs of progression towards the end of the season. It's something that we can definitely look forward to in 2021. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Early on, it, it a lot of the offensive linemen had problems, even the some of the veteran guys like uh, Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. You know, we'll get to them in a minute. But it seemed like they were all kind of chasing different problems throughout the season. They'd get one problem fixed, and something else would crop up maybe with that same player or with another player. But then, you know, as the season wore on, they did seem to get comfortable. They Things solidified. And the games kind of seemed to slow down for them a little bit. Yeah, I think part of that is also the entire tempo of the Giants' offense picked up in the second half of the season. And, you know, the, the running game got quicker. The passing game got quicker. So guys weren't out on islands for half of forever or having to try to hold run blocks while the running back picked his way through and decided on which lane looked the best. Yeah. I think that quicker tempo helped as well, but also guys getting more comfortable. Uh, you know, like Nick talked about uh, with Andrew Thomas in particular, uh, not oversetting, fitting his hands, getting inside leverage, uh, not giving up really easy inside moves. Yeah. Towards the end of the season, he, I think he started to look a lot more like the player the Giants fans thought they were going to get in the first half of the season. You know, I think speed is still going to be an issue for him, but speed is an issue for a lot of tackles. Yeah, definitely. And from week 12 to week 17, he had three games where he didn't allow a pressure. And then there's just that Arizona game where he technically gave up two sacks. But like I said, I just don't think the entire offensive line was prepared for what the Cardinals were going to throw at them. The Cardinals came out with a game plan that they didn't really show on tape in the previous couple weeks and it just totally kind of blew up what the Giants wanted to do with that power rushing attack. Agreed. And I I, th- I also think you know Hassan Reddick switching from off-ball linebacker to <laughs> edge kind of took everybody off guard and it, it turns out he actually is a good edge. What do you know the things we saw at Temple were true. <laughs> we don't need to go too deep into Hassan yeah. Reddick because I mean heck his name's not yet. Right, his name's going to get brought up when we start doing some of these free agency shows and, and leading into that class because the Giants do need a little bit of a boost in their pass rush, and if they can get maybe more underrated, cheaper name like Hassan Reddick. But I, I don't want to dive into this too much. I, I think the big key here, though, that has been talked about by all three of us is the level of comfort that was shown by Andrew Thomas and ultimately the entire offensive line. Heck, I, I would like to throw in Nick Gates into that clump of guys that started to look more comfortable. Nick Gates was still trying to figure out the position early on and then we started to see more of what he was capable of becoming and I think that that spot might be a little bit more solidified but one thing that we harped on a lot that Chris and I talked about a lot at the beginning of the year was the first few games are not going to look as they normally do it was going to be a frustrating start to the season because there was no preseason games. And that, while for the veterans, they don't really need that time to get acclimated. The rookies, 1,000% do. Guys switching positions need that time to get ready. And that was why we started to see the rookies getting onto the field more towards the end of the season on defense. But I, I think the really big key here, why the offensive line was starting to feel more comfortable, was that they 
did not have the benefit of the preseason, and then once they settled in after a, a you know a, a faux preseason of just playing their first four games and looking like crap, um, it was all uphill from there, or it was all positive from there. It was all progression and improving. There were some setbacks in periods of time, but there were clear steps towards getting better as a cohesive unit uh, because of the the circumstances that they were dealing with this season. And the other thing too, though, so I want to hit on now in talking about one thing that we started to see with this offensive line is a commitment to a power run style. And early on with Saquon Barkley, running the football was very, very difficult. Wayne Gallman steps in after the season-ending injury, and they are just running down the throats of opposing defenses, and it was starting to be very, very effective. And Nick, you previously brought this up on a different evaluation show, and I think now is the best time to revisit this conversation because some of the blocking uh, schemes that they were using were very, very effective with the personnel that they had. Absolutely. And it really kind of manifested itself in week five at Dallas when Devonta Freeman was the running back. Saquon was already injured. He got injured in week two at Chicago. But they started coming out with more counters, specifically counter tray type of plays where they pull two backside players to the play side, the play side tackle. Usually it was Andrew Thomas, but sometimes they ran it to the other direction, blocks aggressively downward and just kind of clears a path, creating and then the uh, then the edge comes up, gets kicked out by the backside guard. And then basically Caden Smith, who played the H-back role pretty well in these scenarios, would come through lead block for the running back. The counter tray really was effective and it kind of became the Giants' base running play throughout the rest of the season. That's when you see the quarterback opens up and then initially at the snap, the running back points his hips towards the opposite direction, takes a false step on purpose to create time to allow the blocks to develop. Then he explodes back towards the quarterback, takes the handoff and follows his blocks. It was a really, really effective downhill power gap type of running play, the counter tray. So that was definitely something that, you know, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett wanted to make an emphasis for this offense. And it definitely, I would say, worked out down the stretch. I think the blocking became much more cohesive. I think this is a reason why we saw Shane Lemieux over Will Hernandez was because he was a better backside pulling guard than Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez is a bit more lumbering because I know we'll talk about Shane Lemieux a little bit later, but Will Hernandez is a much better pass protector, but they wanted to stick with this counter type of play. And I think Lemieux in their mind did a much better job than Will Hernandez. Yeah. And I do believe those, those power runs, you talk about the counter tray. Uh, I, I believe they ran some inside zone, uh, but ju- just that real downhill running style that really fits their offensive line personnel better than some of the more outside zone, off tackle, uh, kind of horizontal runs that I think they tried to do a little bit too much of early on in the season. You know, th- their guys are not like uh, the kind of offensive line you would find on a maybe an older Michael Shanahan or a Gary Kubiak type team where they they can run side to side really well and just string a defense out. These guys are best downhill moving guys off the ball and opening the holes up that way. And I think that really did, that was their identity. It just took the giants a little bit to find it. And, you know, again, like the point I brought up with the pass protection, those plays hit a lot more quickly. You know, Wayne Gallman was a very efficient running back. He spent very little time behind the, line of scrimmage so the Giants could basically just punch the defense in the mouth and pick up their yards before the D 
defense could recover. Right. And the, the one point that I, I'd like to, to kind of close this out on is that you just said, Chris, is that the offensive line personnel wise was, is not built to do a whole lot of athletic moving. It's not a, a, a like a, a group that is filled with top draft picks that are athletic freaks. No, most of the guys are big lumbering players that are much better used in downhill situations the only guy that maybe you could argue is not like that, who's a little bit more of a better athlete, is obviously Andrew Thomas, who was drafted highly for being a fluid mover. But once I think they committed to that and started to play within how they're capable of being, which is trying to knock the crap out of an opposing defensive line, that was why they ran the ball so well and why they were able to take some pressure off of Daniel Jones. Uh, there was less of a commitment to throwing the ball. And one of the things that we did see was always problematic was once Daniel Jones was put into a third and long situation, the protection typically throughout the season did not hold up very well because of some of guys like Shane Lemieux who just aren't inherently very good pass blockers. But I, I think going forward, we're definitely going to continue to see more of this. Even if maybe they infuse some more athletic younger guys, uh, they're probably going to stick with what has worked and what's, what's, uh, been the uh, the key reason why they've had a lot of firepower towards the end of the season uh, with their run game. So coming up, we're going to talk about future expectations and hitting on the new offensive line coach hiring uh, already happening this offseason. Before we get to that, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So if you happen to miss the headline, folks, the Giants hired Rob Sale, the offensive line coach from UL Lafayette, which is a fantastic hiring, in my opinion. Or, no, yes, it is is it is UL uh, Lafayette. I was mixing it up with UL Monroe in my head for a second. The Raging Cajuns. And, and I, I honestly was so excited, guys, when I saw this this hiring because I, and I said this to Chris when we, when we found out, I did not want it to be another rehiring of a different name that was on a different team that was just getting circled around because that doesn't really produce results. Instead, go and get somebody who has been a proven successful coach at the college level that might be underrated and not talked about very highly. And Rob Sale has taken a a, a Louisiana team that has a lot of, you know, it's not like a really highly recruited team. It's not a, a team that gets big time recruits. There's no five-star recruits on that offensive line. Heck, there's no four-star recruits. There's probably barely that many three-star recruits on that offensive line, but he was able to produce a handful of NFL guys that are currently on NFL rosters, and that's exactly what you want. You want a guy that is going to develop young offensive linemen and is going to make the current group even better. And I think the main focus is developing the two bookends for the future, which is Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott. I was absolutely in love with this move. I'm curious to hear what you guys think. And I think we're I think we're all on the same page that it was a pretty good move. Yeah, I would agree with you as well because you got to look at who he's put in the NFL just in last year's draft. I mean, Robert Hunt was a second round pick. The dude was a two-star recruit. 
going into college. He turns into a second round pick because of the development that he saw under sale. And then he had Kevin Dotson go to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the fourth round of the 2020 draft. He stepped in and had to play this season and filled in admirably. So that's just a second player who's been effective at the NFL level, who played at this smaller program, was coached by sale. And look, ends up being an early day three pick and having and being an effective player in his rookie season. So you hope that he can come into the Giants with these young pieces and even Nick Gates in there who's still learning the center position and he could further their development and kind of maximize their talent. So I think from that standpoint, you kind of now when when the Giants fired Mark Colombo, there was, you know, they were a little in flux. We weren't really sure. They brought in Googs. That was only temporary, but now we hope that this is going to be the offensive line coach with Joe Judge, for Joe Judge, and they can kind of develop that team identity together and move forward. And I hope that that's what they get here. And we have somebody who knows how to develop these young dudes. And I think getting somebody from the college ranks, that is important as well, because they don't have a whole lot of time to develop these players. You know, they're really only part-time athletes. They have to go to school. You know, they only get so many hours a week with the coaches, something Joe can definitely speak to. And they also only have these guys for three or four, occasionally five years. You know, it's not like when Giants had uh, their offensive line coaches under uh, Tom Coughlin or Bill Parcells who would work with these guys for a minimum of five years because you didn't have the roster turnover. Now you basically have to have a, a young offensive lineman up and contributing and starting inside of two years. Otherwise, he's a draft bust and you got to move on because that was a wasted pick. Yeah, yeah, and, th- and those are a lot of key factors here on why this is going to be such a really interesting hire. I'm excited to see what comes from it. Ultimately, that that big thing for me here, Chris, is that I, I like that they went and got a college guy, new face, new blood, bringing in someone who is a different from the typical recycled guys that are continually moving in and out. I, heck, the, the one name I heard originally was the former Texans offensive line coach. And like, like what does that do? The guy is leaving one coaching staff and is now just joining another one. I'd rather have somebody new. So this is exciting to see uh, Rob Sale. The big headline though, guys, for the offseason is going to be what happens with Nate Solder and what happens with Kevin Zeitler. Because ultimately right now, the Giants are in a complicated, not as complicated as some teams. It's not like an impossible situation to work themselves out of. But they're they're likely going to want to clear some room with their cap. And they are in a position with two guys on their offensive line to do that. And the two players are Nate Solder, who didn't play at all this last year. The previous year didn't look very good. Did not look worth the contract he was being paid for. And then Kevin Zeitler has been a bit on and off, has had some injury issues. If they remove both of these guys, that is going to open up a ton of space to possibly sign somebody at a key position that is going to help them go from a quality NFC East team to a highly competitive one. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Do you think both of them go? Do you think it's one of them? What do you think is the best move? Before I answer that, I want to just lay the framework. So it was looking before the pandemic like Nate Solder was going to be a cap casualty in 2021. But since he was a high-risk exposure type of player, his contract, since he opted out, rolls over. So now the Giants would have to take a dead cap hit of over $10 million if they cut him rather than $4 million. So keeping him might 
they're not forced to keep him, but it may be prudent to keep someone like Nate Solder. They can definitely still cut him. It would be a post-June cut, but we we have to kind of wait and see because his he didn't play in 2020 and it rolled over. But as for Kevin Zeitler, it's where it gets kind of complicated. I think we can all agree Kevin Zeitler is a very good offensive lineman, but he only has one more year left on his contract. The dead cap is $2.5 million, and the Giants can clear $12 million off their cap hit. So they can free up $12 million by releasing Kevin Zeitler, essentially, with a minimal damage. And that's going to be huge in a year where the cap might be down by about $18 million from last year. We're looking at the cap around 180 instead of around 200 which it was 2020. I think it was 198 to be specific. So the Giants are going to be forced into a really, really tough situation. And I wouldn't be shocked if Zeitler does end up going, which I feel like would be very, very unfortunate because I do appreciate what he brings to the offensive line. Yeah, the, this is a tough situation for them because they they don't have a whole lot of good options, but they need to make a move. They, like Nick just said, they, they basically only have about $1.2 million in cap room, which is not nearly enough to even sign their rookie class, let alone bring in the free agents they need or even retain some of their own free agents. With Zeitler, yeah, he is definitely a good offensive lineman. He's probably their most consistent offensive lineman but he is the he is the third highest paid right guard in the nfl for 2021 and he is not the third best right guard in the nfl so combine you know his cap number his low dead cap number they're going to have to very seriously consider it you know with nate solder that dead cap that is that's going to be tough to swallow but you also have to ask where are they going to play him you know, would you ask, would you ask him to move over to right tackle where I, I don't believe he's ever played or do you have Andrew Thomas basically unlearn everything he learned last year to stay or to move over to right tackle himself and then move back to left tackle the year after it's, it's a very sticky situation. Yeah. The, the writing on the wall, I think is pretty clear that Solder is probably not going to be sticking around because you have uh, uh, you know this the shining star in Matt Parrott who played limited snaps, but it seems like a lot of the times when he was out there, he was phenomenal. Was not perfect, but he looked really good. He he was showing us that if he continues to improve that upper body strength that we've talked about a lot as his his next key piece to his development, um, he should be the right tackle going forward. And then it should be Andrew Thomas from what we saw towards the end of the season at left tackle. So what the heck do you do with Nate Solder? Why would I want to start Nate Solder over uh, Matt Parrott at right tackle? And why am I still spending the money on a guy that's getting paid so much money to maybe bump inside? And like, I don't even think Nate Solder's capable of bumping inside because of um, his physical dimension. So he's probably gone. Maybe they can keep Kevin Zeitler by moving Solder and by getting rid of Golden Tate, if there's enough room to retain him, there's a lot of a few missing or uh, moving pieces here that are going to be involved with getting everything to work within the cap, within their current roster structure. But the other key piece that I think is a little bit more of an underrated storyline is what ends up happening with Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux. If Zeitler's gone, do you start both of them at opposite guard spots? Do you go back to Will Hernandez? Was it because of the COVID? Like, There's a lot of things that we don't really know here with this guard spot. Nick, if you were to make this decision uh, you know, without maybe taking out of the equation the possibilities that that Hernandez was dealing with some issues because of the sickness he he dealt with when he contracted COVID, like who would you go with? Do you think you could you would rather try and roll with both guys, or would you stick with one of them? 
If Zeitler's gone, then you definitely roll with both guys. That's going to be basically your only option unless Kyle Murphy, your former teammate, and Chad <laughs> Slade make this incredible development over the offseason. But yeah, you would roll with both those guys. But if Zeitler's retained, I mean, there had to be something going on with Will Hernandez, I would imagine, because just watching the film, I watched all those games. I watched a lot of them twice, to be honest. Shane Lemieux, I, I do think he's quicker to pull. I think he's better at pulling. I think he's he fits what they want to do, the Giants want to do from the identity standpoint in terms of rushing. But man, he got beat off the football so quickly, so many times in pass protection. And it was just so evident that Will Hernandez was so much superior, at least to me. And Chris, I want to get your opinion on this. It was evident that Will Hernandez was a better pass protector. He was more nimble on his feet even, and he just handled counters so much better. And he wasn't beaten right off the snap from the initial quickness of initial quickness combined with a a quick club or something like that, which is something that happened to Shane Lemieux quite a bit. Chris, would you agree with me that Will Hernandez was better in pass protection and, and it was kind of substantial? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, honestly, there were some times where Lemieux was a legitimate liability in pass protection and, you know, pressure up the middle will wreck any play. You know, you don't have to have Aaron Donald on the other side of you. If you get beat up the middle, that is just terrible for a quarterback. And, you know, as much as the Giants want to have their identity be running the ball, this is a quarterback driven league. You, you can't get away from the fact that you need to win through the air if you want to be able to win consistently. So, having a guard who is a poor pass protector, that is an, that is a serious issue. So if we're only worrying about the left guard position, I would say I would lean towards giving Will Hernandez the inside track to the job simply because of he is a better pass protector. But if we're looking at both guard positions, well, then maybe you just try them both out of both sides and see who fits best where and who fits best in your blocking schemes going forward and then you know the the Giants probably could also look to the draft for another offensive lineman you know there's a a lot of pretty good interior linemen in this draft and also some guys who have some pretty deep toolboxes guys who can play all three interior positions or some of them who can play the interior and maybe give you some flexibility with the offensive tackle positions if there's a if there are injuries and it's almost I think like a funny thought here if you could slap together Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez and just squish them into one offensive lineman, you'd have one hell of a guard. But instead, you have one guy who doesn't have the foot speed to pass protect, and then on the other hand, um, is still significantly better than the other when it comes to the run blocking schemes and the techniques that are asked of the guards in this in this offense. It it is a, it is a bit of a perplexing issue, and I think that the, that is going to be the priority. Uh, separate from figuring out who uh, is going to be going forward, starting at each tackle spot, and if you move on from Zeitler and Solder, is what do we do with Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez? Who do we commit to? Who's going to play where? They're going to have time to figure that out. Hopefully they have the preseason games to actually figure that out, and it's not just straight training camp. Ultimately, that I think I believe, uh, I believe is going to be a, a pretty big thing to follow looking forward into the 2020 season sorry 2021 season that's gonna be it from us though folks thank you for tuning in uh be sure to hit that subscribe button leave us a five-star review follow us on social media at big blue view and then uh lastly folks if you're looking for more new york giants content head to at or sorry head to bigblueview.com for more giants news and analysis we'll talk to you
talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.